Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking City podcast here by the Manchester Evening News. I am your host today, Ash Barami, and I am pleased to be joined by Stuart Brennan. Hello there. And Simon Baikowski. Hello. We are back again by unpopular demand. Um, trying to think when was the last time we actually recorded one. I think it was before Shakhtar, wasn't it? Did he just say unpopular demand? Unpopular demand, yeah. yeah. Unpopular demand. Bit of yeah. irony there. Yeah. I mean, when, when people are tweeting you to say, have you stopped doing podcasts? It's uh, it's always nice to know that somebody listens. Yeah. Did you reply to that guy? Yeah, tell them there'd be one coming today. Yeah, that's good. Stu, I want to start with the Burnley game. And after a couple of like mediocre results for City, it was go- it was good to almost see the city of city we all have come to get used to under Pep, wasn't it? You nearly said come to love then, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Just nearly. Yeah. It was. I mean I for me. It was the best performance of the season. I mean, I know they beat Watford 8-0 and they've had some good performances this season. But in the circumstances, they, despite what Pep has been saying, I think they've looked flat lately, even against Chelsea when they won the game. Um, I think they've looked flat. They've not quite been the, the city of old. This was the city of old. They controlled Burnley. Everyone thought this was going to be a really tough test. Freezing cold night up in Lancashire. Burnley up for it. Um and you, you, you thought that this is going to be the trip to the dentist that Pep had talked about. It's going to be painful. It's going to be rough. It's going to be, they're going to be battering the hell. But City, City just controlled them. You know, they, they just kept them in the box uh, and played some great football, scored some brilliant goals. Uh, and it, it was, it was like watching the City that's won, won two titles on the trot. Yeah. And the lights obviously went out before the game in the, in the dressing room site. Do you think that sort of thing almost like, Spurs a team on in a way because we saw the, st- the pictures and the videos come out after the game and for a second I think everyone in the office thought that was them having the party after the game but actually it was before the game wasn't it? Yeah the uh, the lights are certainly not out on their title hopes. I knew that was coming. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you had to get that in there. Um, yeah it was like it was weirdly bonding um, and I mean last season they didn't kind of have many of those moments on the pitch because they were so dominant um, and they were dominant again at, at Burnley but it, it felt like for the first kind of time they were going to Burnley and you were kind of thinking I'm not sure if this team that we've known for two years and known not to predict anything but a win you're sort of thinking I'm not quite sure tonight um, and then obviously they arrive and there's no lights in the dressing room and they all came together and put on like Stu says terrific performance and uh, and then they had a big party afterwards in the dressing room as well so it it felt like a really positive night for for the team and and the, the squad and the club really yeah that picture they put out afterwards of all the players and all the staff in the dressing room yeah it had like a cup final feel to it yeah it had a big match feel to it and you think hold on a minute it's a good win it's away at Burnley but then you start thinking what, what's the thinking behind this they knew it was a big big game they knew they had to win that one if they'd lost that one there's no way they were going to do anything in the title race it's almost as if they were saying we're in this and you know we're, we're still in fighting for this trophy uh, and that, that was the picture to prove it you know all the staff and all the players in complete unity um, I mean we don't know why the lights went out beforehand <laughs> but you games. do knowing yeah well knowing what, what in, in the past year stories about you know no hot water in the away dressing room and little yeah. tricks like that, that but which you kind of understand because you know uh, it's a level of smaller clubs do that to bigger clubs um, 
if I just quickly diverge, when I used to cover Stockport County, I remember when they got promoted to, to what is now the championship, um, I remember the chairman and the manager, it was like Gary Megson at the time, the chairman saying to Gary Megson, what are we going to do? Uh, we, we've got Wolves coming here and Sunderland, all these big clubs, and we've got this poky little dressing room. Uh, we've only got 13 clothes pegs in the dressing room. And Gary, what are we going to do, Gary? And Gary Megson said, snap one off. <laughs> which was, I thought was a brilliant response. And you, you kind of get that. You understand why Burnley might play these little games. But if they did do that, if it was them having a bit of fun and, and uh, flicking the fuse before the game, well, it's backfired because it, it had the opposite effect. It, it, you know, like, like Sai said, it, it sort of brought a bit of camaraderie and they, had, they made fun out of it. And, you know, because there is this, you know, there's this stereotype that, the players at the top clubs are all a bit prima donna and, you know, they expect to be pampered. But it's not, not really the case, you know, especially especially a team like City that's all about team. You don't get you don't get these big egos, really. You know, they, they, they all have an ego. You can't play top football without it. But they're a proper team. They're a proper squad, you know, and the, the together, togetherness with the players and the staff is absolutely evident for everybody to see. They, they really do pull together. And I think Burnley, sort of sparked that element rather than if, if they did uh, pull the plug you know they sort of it backfired a little bit and it, and it, it turned the other way I suppose as well it's one of them things that it's, it's just good for squad morale isn't it like when you look at Chelsea away a couple of seasons ago and obviously different circumstances but it's that sort of togetherness that if they now go on a run of games where they win maybe seven eight games in a row and Liverpool maybe drop a couple of points people look back and say well yeah that that worked out well for them and it helped them yeah yeah I mean it, it all came together on the pitch as well you know they, 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 they played as a team on the pitch they behaved as a squad off the pitch and they played as a team on the pitch and it really it, I mean it's, it's, you kind of think if it had happened four or five games ago we might not be um Sit, they might not be sitting in that position now where they're gazing up at an 11 point gap but uh, but they are but there's one thing for sure about this team that they, they are capable of putting together that kind of run and it, it has got that feel now they have got that feel back of being um, fearsome you know uh, and a team to, team to be afraid of uh, United won't be when, when they play United on, on Saturday but um, you know the uh, City could go out and put on a big performance. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on uh, the Manchester derby and the Premier League title race in a short while, but a couple of players I want to touch on, Si, is, is Rodri to start with. He, he's starting to now fulfil what people thought with the big transfer fee, basically what he's all about now, isn't he? The goal he took, absolute rocket. He took, he took the net off. Yeah, it was almost as, as good as De Bruyne's at Newcastle. It's, um, it, it stayed hit. I mean, Rodri is not... Fernandinho he doesn't offer what Fernandinho does in that position and as the team have struggled in recent weeks and as Rodri's form hasn't been at his best in recent weeks it's kind of seemed like an obvious sort of not flaw in the team but when things aren't going right you think well what's changed and that was a big a big thing that's changed but I thought he showed at Burnley what he can bring to the team um in sort of a, a different way to Fernandinho and I think when they're on the front foot and the sort of aggressive attacking teams he, he's really good I really like watching him play what do you think he brings what do you think he brings 
better than what Fernandinho does? And what do you think he doesn't bring that Fernandinho brings that's better? I think he's kind of got a, a different tempo to him than Fernandinho. And he, he's also a bit more kind of on the edge. He's um, in the way that sort of it, 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 everything feels a bit more kind of not last minute, but he's he's sort of a second closer to being closed down than Fernandinho ever was. And that kind of adds a bit of tension to the game, but also kind of keeps City moving quicker because everything's just that that tiny bit quicker, um, even though he himself is, is not as quick as Fernandinho when he moves. But he just keeps City moving. and But he also kind of powers the team forward, I find, um, a bit more. You tend to think of Fernandinho as sort of shielding the defence and sitting in front of him, whereas, I, I don't know, I, I get the feeling that Rodri's a bit more on the move. You kind of get the sense of. Yeah, Stu, how impressed have you been with Rodri? Extremely. I thought that was his best game at Burnley. I mean, he's, he's a big physical unit. That's part of it. That, that's something that he brings at Fernandinho. I mean, don't get me wrong, Fernandinho's an aggressive player uh, and he, he gets stuck in, but Rodri keeps it. Like Sai said, he does, he does play on the edge. He takes the ball in tight spaces. You'll see him take the ball and turn away. You're thinking, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. But he... It, 99% of the time he keeps the ball he'll come away with the ball because he's so powerful he's got those big haunches you know he's strong and you know when you're playing Burnley who are a physical team you need that and the number of times he put his he put his body in he put his he put his foot in and won the ball and kept City on the front foot by doing that uh, he, he did it loads and loads of times uh, on the other night but his passing was excellent as well we, we know he's a passer he's not still it's Fernandinho from centre half who is knocking those long balls out to the wings you see Rodri do it every now and then but it's almost as if he doesn't back himself to do it on a regular basis the way Fernandinho does uh, but perhaps that's coming because we've seen he can, he can do it he's capable of, of hitting those 40-50 yard passes to, to, to Sterling on one side or to uh, Bernardo or Mares on the other um, so perhaps he's, he's still easing himself in in that regard, but like Sai says, he, he he's, he's physical. He's defensively more suited to that role than Fernandinho because he's such a physical unit. Um, he's helpful at set pieces as well. You know, he's, he's a big lad. He's, he's like six six one six two, I think. Uh, so he's, he's a presence in 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 both boxes as well. So uh, I, I think there's more to come from him. Um, he, do, he is a little bit slower than Fernandinho uh, in terms of breaking from from defence to attack. But uh, you know you're not you're not going to have everything, and he does bring things that Fernandinho doesn't. I think the good thing as well with Rodri is he's quite young as well. You look at him, you think he's like maybe 28, 29, but like he's what is he like 22, 23? 23, yeah, 23, yeah he's, he's a really young guy. And what we're seeing now, I mean, it can only get better for him really as he adapts to the Premier League on a game, but yeah, week by week basis. Yeah, I, I think I think that that was that was interesting. There was young young players and and older players in that team the other night who had big question marks over them. And I thought it was the players who had question marks over them who came to the fore and did really, really well. Rodri was one of them. People have been questioning him in recent weeks. He was man of the match. Gabriel Jesus has been questioned. Brilliant. You know, I, I gave both of them nine out of ten in my marks. But Jesus's two goals were top class. And a lot of what he did off the ball was was really, really good as well. And Otamendi, you know, we've been talking about the centre-back problem. And we know the issues he's had with individual errors this season. 
but it was it was a great game for him because it's you know what you're going to get you're going to get Chris Wood up front uh, or Ashley Barnes throwing the weight around and Otamendi met that challenge he likes that you know he's an Argentina defender he, he loves having a bit of physicality uh, and I thought he did really really well as well you know it was the right game for him whether it's the right game going forward against United and, and, and opponents who play with pace and so on that's a different matter but uh Otamendi sort of played himself back into the reckoning on, on Tuesday night. Yeah, want to touch on as well, Gabriel Jesus. I, um, I got ridiculed for one of them Facebook natives about Gabriel Jesus. I said, oh, yeah. I basically said, does is Gabriel Jesus done enough to keep his place in the starting 11 when Sergio Guerrero returns? Which I think is fair, but a lot of people said that this is a daft question, absolutely no chance. But with with Gabriel Jesus, I mean, what what more can he do? Is it, does he just have to just literally wait until Aguero goes? Because it feels like he's doing all the right things. And yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's an incredible striker. He's really really good, but he's up against one of the best strikers that has ever played the game in in Aguero. I thought it was really interesting his comments after the game, uh, where he spoke about how he'd been low in confidence from not scoring, and how Fernandinho had kind of giving him a pep talk and encouraged him but as he said like he's he's frustrated and he gets negative thoughts when he doesn't score and he's really happy when he when he does score so you would like to think that that confidence will sort of come across for the derby um, but what I would say is that if that is someone who's low in confidence hitting those you know the two two strikes that he gave against Burnley were both terrific mm. Finishes in very different ways. Um, But, you know, Pep will be relieved. He talks all the time about Jesus pressing and, you know, it's not necessarily about goals, but it is about goals. And uh, if he wants to succeed Aguero, then he will have to have a goal, you know, goals per game ratio that's, that's similar to him. Yeah, so, uh, Stu with Gabriel Jesus. Are you seeing a player that's now growing every week that he does play in, in the starting eleven? That that's the key to it. If he's not playing, you can see his confidence drops, and he comes in. It takes him a while to to get back in the groove. I think it's the same with Aguero, though. You know, when Aguero doesn't play, it takes him a game or two to get into the groove. But Aguero's got the backing of all experience. He knows he knows that it's going to come good. Gabriel Jesus is younger, um, perhaps a little bit more fragile in terms of his confidence. He needs a run in the team. He's getting one now. And now he's now he's got those two goals. I think he'll. I think he, he could push on. You know, I think he could be a real problem for United in the derby. Um, were you surprised he didn't start against Liverpool? Because I know a lot of people after the game were talking about it. But in terms of off the ball, the pressing that he does, his work rate. I suppose that's one thing that people can credit them for being better than probably Aguero is 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 his pressing and his work rate. I wasn't surprised, no, because as we said, he's got a, he's, he's in competition with Aguero, and with Aguero in the derby last season produced a goal from almost nothing, nothing when he turned Lovren and smashed it into the roof of the net. We've seen him do that many times, so you perhaps you perhaps lose that if, if you play the play Jesus. Obviously, you, you can play them both. I mean, Jesus for Brazil plays plays in a wide position, but then you've got to drop mm. either Sterling or Bernardo or Mares. So it's a great problem to have, as, as we know, Pep Guardiola. But uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised he didn't play against Liverpool because Aguero wins games like that. We've seen him do that in the past. Um, 
And to be fair, Aguero has upped his game. He, he doesn't press like Jesus, you know. He's not he's not as young. He's, he hasn't got the same legs as as Jesus, but he he does. You know, he does. He's improved immensely. That's one of the things that Guardiola demanded of Aguero. Um, but he doesn't he doesn't run around like a headless chicken as Jesus does sometimes. Yeah, I want to move on now to the Premier League title race. Um, Sai Pep says it would be crazy to think about the Premier League title. Are we crazy to suggest how City can get themselves maybe into it? <laughs> um, I've so, I mean, I've said, I was saying before the Liverpool game, as long as it is single figures, um, the deficit before Christmas, then City would be happy and it is not single figures. So mm. I think unless, until Liverpool drop some points, I don't think you can really talk about City being... Back in the title race, I think they showed at Burnley that they're not going to give up the title without a fight. But um, Liverpool's form, has, Liverpool's form run of results has just been been so good that um, it's hard to see where they're dropping points. We were at this point of this last season where Liverpool were excellent up until City beat them in January, really, and excellent for the rest of the season but until January you wondered where they were going to drop points and it was City that finally did it City need to keep winning and they just need somebody else to, to do them a favour Yeah Stu do you agree does, does City pretty much is any points now dropped from now until the end of the season practically curtains for the title race do they need to win pretty much every game No I don't think they have to win every game but they have to win most of them, you know, they can they can perhaps afford a defeat or a, a couple of draws. They've got to win. They've got to win most. What's going to be interesting is the next few weeks. Uh, when you look at it, I mean, Champions League next week, City are through. They can play the play a second string over at, in Dynamo Zagreb. Liverpool need to go to Red Bull Salzburg and get a result. So they've got they've got to play. You know, they're going to have to play a strong team over in Austria. Uh, then they go off to the Club World Cup, a fixture they could have done without. And then when they get back after after the difficulty of all the Christmas fixtures, the FA Cup draw has landed them with Everton. Hmm. Now, can they play a City? Can City have got Port Vale? So again, we will see Eric Garcia and Tommy Doyle, uh, uh, Taylor Harwood, Bellis. Conspiracy theorists like will be out in force there. Well, yeah, but <laughs> the, 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 Derby, cons- City getting the conspiracy Bale. theorists forget the run of draws that City <laughs> had before this one, which is you could talk about swings and roundabouts. They had a lot of swings, and now they're getting a few roundabouts. But um, so Liverpool have got a tough run of fixtures. They've got a heavy run of fixtures. City, not so much. They haven't got the Club World Cup. They haven't got to get through in the Champions League. They've got an easy draw at home in the FA Cup. So if we could come through that period, I think, if City are within single figures, uh, which is after Christmas, as I said before Christmas, I think if we get after Christmas and City are within single figures I think we really we really have got a, a fight on our hands the other thing is you can't imagine Liverpool going through the season without injuries to their big stars I know Salah's had a, a problem or two lately but it wasn't the kind of long term injuries that City have been getting I, I wouldn't wish it on them don't get me wrong you know I, I would never wish that on a on a, on a footballer um, but Van Dijk just keeps playing and playing without without any problems Mane was absolutely sensational at the moment. He was just unbelievable against Everton. Um, he, he keeps playing and playing and playing without any 
you know any problems um so you kind of think that that is a obviously this conditioning and fitness and so on comes into that but also a degree of luck you know you, and you kind of think will will liverpool's luck in terms of their injuries turn at some point and if they do if 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 they were to to lose van dyke or mane or even god forbid both of them well you know the, the whole picture will change i think quite quite strongly yeah absolutely and I want to quickly touch on Pep. You mentioned something. You mentioned basically that they won't be signing anyone in January. Do you take yeah. that with a pinch of salt, no, or no? You believe? I know that's been spun into some like conspiracy theory, desperate mind games for Liverpool that they're not signing anyone because, of course, they will spend money. But they've been pretty consistent for a while. That unless the next time Eric Laporte is available, they won't be signing a central defender in January. So yeah, if they can get someone in who's going to be you know a fantastic defender for the next 10 years then they may well may well push the boat out but it's not one of those things where they're going to be chasing round signing any defender they can lay their hands on yeah that's what I assume will be if City are active in January that they, they will go out and maybe just get a player maybe for the future and not a big name that will go into the team every week from now on from January until the end of the season I, th- I think, as I said, it's, it's just about opportunity. I mean, the, the way they always couch it is we're not planning to... I mean, I, I've been told this from sources in the club, we're not planning to buy anybody. But if somebody... So if an opportunity presented itself, if you get the chance to, to get hold of a top player for a reasonable price, someone who will add some quality to the squad, and obviously centre-back is where they need it, if that opportunity arises, well, they, I'm sure they will take it, despite what despite what Pep says. Because uh, there's always that rider. We're not planning to do anything, but then if an opportunity arises... We, you know, we'll go for it, but it's very rare. That I, I know they, they signed Laporte in January. Um, Gabriel Jesus came in in January, and and going back, not quite so sex, successfully. They uh, they got Wilfred Bonny in January and Edin Dzeko. <laughs> Jesus was summer, wasn't he? It, well, yeah, but he, he came. He, he, he came in January. In January yeah. yeah, he came in January. That's true. Um, so you know, I, I know they've got that history of making signings in January, but it's very rare you can get really good value. Um, Laporte was a was a different case. I mean, they were absolutely desperate at that point, uh, and and they'd already identified him as a as a prime target. They knew that he was the man that they wanted, um, and they got the the opportunity. They had to pay a lot of money for him, but they knew that it wasn't just a knee jerk reaction. He was a player that they'd wanted all along, anyway. Uh, so. If, if an opportunity like that arose in January, they absolutely certainly will go for it. Yeah, and moving on now to the final part, which is the Manchester derby this weekend. side. Mm. is this a this is a t- much tougher game than it may seem on paper? I mean, I know United uh, the critics have been out on force with United in the last few weeks, but it so. feels like the game that they had against Tottenham, the win. So everyone's now almost clicked on the fact that well, this is a team that up their game for the big games. And it's almost maybe may play into their maybe be an advantage for them that they're going into a big game away from home. In a sense, I don't know if United beating Tottenham makes it easier for City because it was looking like one hell of a week for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with Pochettino in the uh, in the background. If they'd lost at home to Spurs coming into the derby, this would be a. I mean, must win doesn't do it justice. They, they would be under so much pressure to win, whereas they've already got three more points they didn't necessarily think they'd have. So that could help City 
And the fact that City are a much better team than United will help City. But United's best results this season have been against good teams um, because give them the ball and they don't know what to do with it. But if they're playing on the counter, they can sting you. That's where their best City love playing with the ball, having as much of the ball as possible. So, and City's problem this season has been conceding from their opponents not having very much of the ball. So City are going to have to make sure that when United do get the ball, they're watertight, but they should have enough quality to beat United. Do you share the same sentiments, Stu? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I was I was sort of talking about City being back the way that they beat Burnley earlier, but this will be a completely different game, you know, because obviously Burnley are totally different in the, in the way they attack you, United. And United have got players who can hurt City, we know that. The pace of Rashford, uh, Daniel James gave City all kinds of problems uh, when he played against them for, for Swansea in the Cup last season. Um, that pace, City find difficult to deal with. And United will come and set up strong, as they've done against top teams, and they will try and hurt City with that, with that counter-attacking pace. And they, they can cause City problems. And City won't find it as easy to control United in the way they control Burnley. You know, they, they push them high. They, they sort of forced poor quality long balls up to Chris Wood. And then when Wood did win the ball, uh, he was under pressure. Uh, and City were gobbling up the, the loose ball and then coming back, at, coming back at Burnley. That won't happen with United. United will be looking for, for channels for, for Rashford and, and for Daniel James. Uh, and they've got a little bit more quality in terms of playing out. So it won't be it won't be a straightforward game. But like Sai says, player for player, you know, if you were to pick, pick a combined Manchester Derby 11, uh, if I was picking it, uh, and I, you know, I, I'm reasonably neutral in these matters, um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure there'd be a United player who'd get in the team. I was about to say the goalkeeper there, and I thought, Edison, no. What am I thinking? That's, he's <laughs> one of the world-class players United do have is the goalkeeper, but obviously City yeah. have that as well. But De, De Gea wouldn't, wouldn't... If Pep Guardiola had De Gea and Edison, he would pick Edison every time. Yeah. Not because he's a better goalkeeper, but because of what he brings in terms of playing with his feet. I know I've said this to United fans and they get all defensive and uppity and say, well, De Gea is good with his feet, but he isn't, not compared to Edison. Yeah. You know, all keepers have got to be reasonably good with their feet, but Edison is is different class, you know, and he's a perfect fit. Uh, you know, Joe Hart was moved out instantly and Joe Hart was a in his day was a good shot stopping goalkeeper that's what David De Gea is you know he's a world class shot stopping goalkeeper um, he's had his bad moments in the last season or two but he still remains a really top class goalkeeper when it comes to winning your games and, and pulling off incredible saves um, but if you were to pick if you if you had 10 City players as your outfield players and I don't, don't think there's a lot of doubt about that um, one or two maybe but, would, would any left back get in your combined 11? Uh, that, well, that's a good question, actually. Yeah, that, what the two areas? I mean, Harry Maguire, yeah, he's got a possibility because obviously City tried oh, to yeah. sign him, yeah, you know, they would, yeah. and he would be a regular player at the moment, yeah. for sure. Yeah, um, but yeah, left back is pro- perhaps a one. But it's a problem. One area, for, but the problem for both clubs, isn't it? It is. Like it is. But I, I think Mendy, Mendy is just is just playing 
poorly at the moment. I, you know, if you think back to the Mendy, uh, the start of his City career and uh, at times since then where he's been that player going down the left, putting in really good crosses, you know, yeah. we, we tend to forget. I mean, he was, he was dreadful at Newcastle. <laughs> he didn't he didn't put yeah. in a single good, good cross. Um, and he, he's... When he does that, he's not great defensively. But I think out of the batch of them, if they're all on form, Mendy is the best of that group. You know, he's better, obviously better than Angelino. Zinchenko was injured, but I, he's he's better on form than Zinchenko for me. Um, and he's certainly better than Luke Shaw and Ashley Young and, and young Brandon Williams. You know, I think I think you'd have to pick you'd have to pick Mendy out of those. Perhaps perhaps Maguire at centre back, but beyond that. Whole city for me. That defensive selection is going to be a big thing this weekend, isn't it? When you're playing against a team that are probably going to sit back and maybe look for the counter attack. In terms of that back four, do you think? Do you think maybe Pep's going to rotate it a bit? Because we, we don't. We still. I don't really tend to know that what his ideal back four is. I mean, some weeks we might see Angelino play, then Mendy will come back in. But do you feel like what sort of back four do you think he should go for and be? Do you uh, think he will? Well, I think the obvious change is Stones in for Otamendi because uh, Otamendi is suspect against pace, um, and I, I think I think United would target him. You know, with with Rashford coming in and, and going at him, I think Stones is better equipped for that. I think Cal Walker will keep his place for that same reason that he'll he'll compete with Rashford and he, he's he's physical. He'll uh, you know he won't give him a second when he's uh, when 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 they're both going. You know, when they, when they go one on one. Um, Fernandinho will stay in I'm pretty sure because United uh, City will have will will boss possession I'm pretty sure of that and Stones and Fernandinho playing the ball out from the back is, is what's needed uh, Otamendi's not as good as, as those two in, in those terms and then left back I mean that's a tricky one uh, a lot will depend on how Mendy's shown up in training if Mendy's sort of realised he's got up his game and, and he's he's sort of Got out in training and shown Pep that he's uh, he is a fifty-two million pound player. Well, he starts, but Angelino did nothing wrong at Burnley, absolutely nothing wrong, uh, and was pretty good going for. He was better than Mendy was at Newcastle for sure. What do you think it is with Mendy? Is it is he just lacking a bit of match fitness or something? Because I've, from the limited amount of time I've seen him when he was consistently playing two seasons ago and even last year, he just looked like this fullback that would get bombed forward, putting good crosses. But against Newcastle, when I watched him, looked like a, looked like someone else. It wasn't yeah. wasn't wasn't the Mendy I've seen. I don't know. I mean, play, players' form comes and goes, doesn't it? You know, I, I think it's just that. I don't think there's anything more. I think the team hasn't been top class and uh, perhaps he's suffered a little bit from that but we, we we know he's got it he's got it in his locker it's just getting it out I don't I'm, I'm, I mean the little things that have gone on behind the scenes we know Pep's been unhappy with him for certain things in terms of you know not turning up for a, a physio session being pictured in a nightclub at three o'clock in the morning all those little things add up a little bit uh, and there's a there's a degree of unhappiness with him. He's got he's had to sort all that kind of thing out. Already already been out the door already. Um, and and all the silliness is stuff on social media, which is great. The fans love it and so on. But it's not so smart 
when you're not playing so well. If you if you're doing great, if you're if you're on top of your game and you're bombing and the team's doing well, that's fine. But it starts looking a bit irritating and wearing when uh, when the team isn't doing so well. And I think that that's that's added up a little bit. But that doesn't explain his own personal form. I think he's just not been in form. As simple as that. I don't think he's a bad player or he's or he's gone or anything. He's just it's just that. It's just that he hasn't been playing well. Simple as. Would you go for him or Angelino at left back for you the weekend? I think I'd, I think I'd, I think I'd go Mendy actually. I think I'd go Mendy, and just a, a big game like that. I think he is a kind of personality that would would relish playing against United and and really get getting at getting at the fullback and uh, and getting crosses in. Um, defensively, there's not a lot to choose between him and Angelino. I don't think either of them are, are great defensive left backs. Um, but Mendy's that little bit more physical um, and does get better forward than Angelino and, and does cross the ball better than Angelino when he's on form. Yeah. So where do you stand on the Mendy situation? Yeah, I'd go, I'd go for Mendy, but I've, um, I'm saying that based on performances that are like 14, 15 months old. Mm-hmm. Not seen the best of Mendy for a for very long at all and we've not seen it for a very long time. So... It, Left back remains a problem for City. Yeah, is it a ga- do you think it's a bit of a gamble then? I mean, maybe starting him. Well, it's a it, don't know. What you're yeah, it's get. a gamble, but it's a gamble starting Angelino. I mean, the best mm. thing that can happen for uh, for Guardiola is that City win because they're not. We won't speak about left back at all, yeah. probably because it's amazing how you know all the focus is on Rodri and then a good team performance and at Burnley and Rodri suddenly like the best player ever and it's the same with you always need a scapegoat when you don't get the results well it, I think you just sort of like Stu was saying with Mendy's form he's not been the best but then the team hasn't been in the best form and, and also you know when we think back to the best we've seen of Mendy the team was probably in a very different position and sort of playing a bit differently you know a, a lot has happened in the last year or so Um and the team have evolved and Raheem Sterling on the left wing is now, you know, will do things differently than he did all that time ago when Mendy was was at his best. So, you know, Mendy just, he, he looks out of place at the minute and he needs to find how to, to fit into place. But when he is at his best, he's, he's easily the, the best left back option. But there's no sort of guarantee or anything that his best will will return yeah he'll have been looking at it from the sidelines at Turf Moor Mendy and he'll have seen Gabriel Jesus burst into form Otamendi have a good game Rodri have his best game after, after having been questioned and that's the kind of thing that you know he should be thinking right I need to do this so putting him in in the derby you know you, form can change in a moment like that Gabriel Jesus goal has changed him yeah. you know he's, he's, he's suddenly snapped out of it it's slightly different for goal scorers I think but it, even so play, playing well having a good game changes the, changes the whole the whole picture um, and I think that uh, I think Mendy needs that uh, when Zinchenko's back it'll be a you know, he's perhaps still City's first choice. Uh, and Angelino has, has shown signs that he's getting there in terms of 
linking play up in in the in the opponent's half. You know, Angelino did that well at Turf Moor. Sinchenko, that's his strength. You know, as, as a midfielder, when he gets over the halfway line, he, he links play really well. You know, he's a smart player. He's got good passing. Um, and and, that, and Guardiola loves that about him. He's not a spectacular. He's not going to bomb down the, and, and get crosses in the way Mendy does, um, and and even Angelino does to a to an extent. Um, but Zinchenko is a clever player who who uses his midfielder skills to affect playing in the opponent's half. Mendy's a bit more straightforward than that. But it's going to be quite interesting to see which way Pep goes when Zinchenko is is fit. Especially if, if Mendy can start playing well again, because he does love Zinchenko um, more than he does Mendy, I'm pretty sure. But uh, Mendy gives a, offers a different option, so it could be just horses for courses when both are available. You know who, who he thinks will will be most effective against certain opposition. Yeah, we shall see. Finally, predictions from you both. Sign. Any score? Three-one. Uh, Three-one. Very convincing. Shoe. I'll, I'll go for a City win but close I'll go 2-1 two, 3-1-2-1 one. Three, one, one. Ash I think City will win yeah I don't think United will score but I think City will win so. you don't think United will score but City will win City yeah will win. I'm thinking maybe 2-0 okay 2-0 Everyone scores against City <laughs> and Liverpool to be fair but <laughs> I, I think, I think they may be due a clean sheet but we shall see yeah. we'll be back Next, well, next Tuesday, where we'll be in, I think you'll be in Zagreb with yes. Ty. So yeah. it'll be some point next week. Thank you, Sai. Thank you, Stu. We'll be back obviously next week. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do so on whichever platform you listen to us on. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>